Thank you, Tom. Treasures in heaven. We're carrying on uh, looking at some of the different episodes in the Sermon on the Mount this summer. If you've got your Bible open in front of you, let me encourage you to leave it open uh, because we're going to be diving into this passage and a little bit around it as well. There'll be helpful bits on the screen for us. It has been said that you can tell what is important to someone by looking at how they spend their money. Others might say you can tell what's important to someone by what they talk about. I wonder if someone were to spend half an hour with you, who'd never met you before, what they would come away with thinking was important to you. I think for me, it might be a combination of uh, my family, uh, maybe a bit of football, uh, a bit of running maybe, and hopefully also something to do with my faith, faith in Jesus. I wonder about you, what would it be? Uh, We've had a great couple of weeks here um, with a few special things happening. Uh, Just over a week ago, uh, we finished our holiday club here. It was great to have just over 100 children here having lots of fun. As we thought about this theme, the restoration station, and we thought about Jesus as the great restorer. And then uh, this week, I've been away with a a great team and 10 young people to a Christian festival called DTI. Uh, Here's some of us. uh, Went up on a minibus. We were camping with just over uh, 3,500 others, worshipping, engaging in teaching from the Bible and praying together and having lots of fun. It was a Christmas-themed last night, so you might be able to spot some Christmas hats in here if you look carefully. But life to the full was the theme of this camp and the input and teaching was great. Life to the full is only possible through Jesus and through making him number one and surrendering our lives to him. Our passage today is part of the Sermon on the Mount, something that has echoes of another great mountain encounter in scripture, that of Moses and God's people at Mount Sinai, where having been delivered from slavery in Egypt the great rescuer and restorer, the Lord, has set them free. And he was taking them towards that freedom that they would fully find in the promised land. He did have instructions for them, one of which was to have no idols, nothing that would receive their adoration and devotion. Now the disciples are listening in to the greatest restorer, the greatest bringer of freedom, Jesus. And they hear a similar message. Jesus has been teaching about generous and discreet giving. If you've got your Bible open in front of you, if you look at verse 1 to 4 of chapter 6, he's been talking about generous and discreet giving. Uh, Then he talks about humble and simple prayer using what has become known as the Lord's Prayer. We prayed it together today from verses 5 to 15. And then he teaches about fasting not being for show in verses 16 to 18. And with all three pieces of teaching, there's a contrast between showing off for others to see and doing things for the eyes of God. Pleasing and impressing other people has always been a temptation that has competed with a desire to put God first. And here, Jesus unpacks this challenging teaching specifically with reference to money. And that's what we're going to think about today. Jesus talks about a treasure, he talks about a vision, and he talks about a master. And we're going to think about those one at a time. So firstly, thinking about a treasure. Jesus contrasts two different options of where to store treasure. 
on earth, firstly, in this temporary experience that we know where things are not secure and not lasting, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. As I said, uh, we've just come back from uh, Christian Festival DTI, and one thing that was so helpful in a week where we had mixed weather was having a marquee, a marquee that kept us dry. Now, I'm particularly grateful because I might have forgotten the canvas, and a kind member of the church drove it up an eight-hour round trip to make sure we had it. In previous years, uh, I remember once going to get the marquee out of a local carriage that was kindly stored in by some people in the church here. It was a surprise and a bit of a frustration that when we put it up, we discovered that some little friends had been chewing through the canvas. A Sainsbury's bag didn't quite do the job to cover up <laughs> the gap. We now store it upstairs in a locked room where we can be confident it won't be destroyed by vermin. Now, when Jesus talks about treasure on earth, this includes money and possessions. Earthly treasures include things like cash, buildings, homes, gadgets, cars, and online banking, things like that as well. It's important to note that Jesus didn't say that these things are bad. He didn't say you can't own a home or have a phone or buy a car or have some nice clothes. But what he did say is do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. Put another way, stop focusing on accumulating money and stuff and set your heart on pursuing treasures in heaven. Timothy says in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 7, you brought nothing into this world and you'll take nothing out of it. The financial instability of today shows us that what we thought was secure, in fact, might not be, even more so when we think of eternity. Treasures in heaven, though, are not at risk of being destroyed by moths or vermin or being stolen, but are invested in the eternal. If earthly treasures are about money and possessions, then what are heavenly treasures about? It includes the giving of money to God in worship. It's clear that in this passage, Jesus was talking about money. It's a key part of worship for followers of Jesus today. For young people in the service today, and for those of us with children, it's an important thing to encourage people to consider and start doing from a young age as we learn what it is to follow Jesus and worship. It's much broader than that as well. There are several references in the New Testament to storing up treasure in heaven or receiving a reward. Let me bring a few to your attention. In Luke's recording of this same passage, Jesus' instruction says to sell your possessions and give them to the poor. He states, provide purses for yourself that will never wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. That's Luke 12, 33. Also in Luke's gospel, Jesus asked people to give to others who can't repay them, adding that you'll be repaid at the resurrection, Luke 14, 14. So storing up treasure in heaven certainly includes being generous to others and giving money in worship. And for many, that might be the challenge we need to think about today. I do think it's much broader, though. There are many other references to treasures in heaven. Let me just find, highlight a few others that are found actually within the Sermon on the Mount, words you might recall that we've looked at recently. So in Matthew 5, 11 and 12, 
Jesus talks about faithfully enduring persecution and there being a reward for those who do that. There is also a reward listed in amongst the passage in verses 43 to 48 of chapter 5 when Jesus teaches about loving your enemies. And there is a reward promise for those who pray, not for show, but who pray in secret. The real wealth of knowing and living for Jesus is obtained by investing in treasures in heaven. You are eternally rewarded when you give, you pray, and fast in private. You forgive someone, you share the gospel, you love your enemies, you endure insults and persecutions. We must be careful, though, not to slip into thinking that we earn God's love or our eternal place in God's kingdom. Our place in eternity with God is a gift of God's grace that we receive by trusting in Jesus. But the Bible also points to there being further rewards in heaven too. The reward that these passages talk about. What exactly they are is a little bit less clear. What is clear is that the greatest reward for all followers of Jesus is the promise that one day we'll see him face to face. Something that's only made possible by trusting and believing in Jesus. So Jesus has spoken about treasure Because what we treasure indicates where our heart is, what's really important to us. That might be what we spend our money on. That might be what we talk about. Treasure. And what we treasure leads to where our vision is. What we value is reflected in how we live. When confronting the tug of the heart of money and possessions, like an experienced doctor, Jesus brings clear diagnosis to the issue at hand. Our struggle is an issue of the heart, not simply what we do and don't do. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This leads on to us thinking about vision. Jesus says the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is the darkness? The eye here is a metaphor for vision. Healthy eyes are those that have a healthy vision, a vision set on God. Something that, of course, what we treasure affects. If we focus on what is healthy, we can expect good results. In the same way in this metaphor, eyes are health- when the eyes are healthy, the whole body will be full of light and healthy. And if the eyes and what they focus on are unhealthy, the whole body will be full of darkness or the fruit in our lives will be bad. You see, what we treasure affects what our vision is. If we treasure the things of God's kingdom and are investing in what is eternal, it helps us to keep Jesus the vision and to love him with all our heart. If, however, we're preoccupied by material things, worldly things, and money, then our vision is unlikely to remain Jesus. I really appreciated uh, some of the teaching at DTI this week. The gospel was preached faithfully in an engaging way, but one challenge that was brought back again and again was the challenge of what are the things that are holding you back from Jesus being your vision, from Jesus remaining your vision, from him being number one. In many ways, like Moses on Sinai and Jesus on the Mount, the message was one of get rid of the idols, the things that are taking the place of our devotion and praise. Did you know uh, that young people on average, it's an interesting stat this week, 
uh, spend nine hours on screens. You can kind of track it on your phone. Some of you do that. Average time for a teenager today is nine hours a day on their phones. For some people, perhaps that could be the thing that stops Jesus being a vision. But there are all sorts of things that compete to Jesus remaining our treasure and remaining our vision. Things we choose to watch or do that might compete with us keeping Jesus front and center. I wonder what's coming to mind as I talk about this now. I wonder what the Holy Spirit might be bringing to mind as a gentle challenge for us now. In Matthew 6, Jesus goes on to teach about trusting him and the connection there is with worry as well. This sermon is packed richly, but it does kind of naturally progress and flow as well. So let me read these words as we think about what our vision is as well. He says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how much God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We are living in hard economic times. And many of us, let's be honest, we do worry. We worry about money. We worry about possessions. But we must hear Jesus' challenge here not to let this distract us from him remaining our vision. Yes, we need to look after what we have wisely and carefully. And when we need to, we can access good advice and help. We can learn budgeting skills. But let's remember the disciples, they had a lot less security than what we have today. They'd given up their jobs. We think of the fishermen, Peter and Andrew and James and John, or the tax collector, Matthew. They'd, they'd given up their jobs. They did not have security. And Jesus taught them to trust him to provide them, to seek first the kingdom of God, trusting that everything else will be provided for them. Jesus has spoken about what our treasure is and how that affects our vision. Paul puts it like this in Romans 8, verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. What we treasure affects what our vision is. And there's all sorts of things that compete for what our vision is. Finally, Jesus makes the link to what will be 
our master? Whom or what will we serve? In our culture today, freedom is held as a high ideal. But the truth is, nobody is free. We all have a master. The master, the thing ruling us, could be the opinion of others. That might dictate what we do and what we don't do, what we say and what we don't say. Our master could be our money and our possessions. Our thinking might be dictated by that. Or our master could be, as Paul puts it, our sinful nature. In Romans 6, Paul talks about being a slave to sin or a slave to God by faith in Jesus. Jesus has set us free from being slaves to sin, addicted and trapped in this pattern of not living God's way that causes harm to ourselves and harm to others and hurts God as well. He set us free from this slavery by dying in our place and rising again. And he set us free to serve him, no longer enslaved again to, to sin, to money, to possessions. God is our master, and what a joy that is. You see, our freedom, what Christ has set us free, allows us to enjoy knowing God and serving him. We might be tempted to say, let's not talk about being slaves to God. Paul might have done it. Maybe we're more comfortable talking about being a child of God or a servant of God. But Paul uses this language, and the truth is, we are all a slave to something. Jesus says, in the context of talking about money, you can't have two masters. It's God or money. You can't serve both God and money. He's made the link from what is important to you, your treasure, to what you focus on, what your vision is, to who your master is. That's why what we treasure is so important. What we treasure dictates who we focus on and who will be our master. I wonder if you have come across uh, this kind of story or illustration before. Uh, How do you catch a monkey? Well, one idea is you have a jar and you put something uh, into the jar that the monkey can get their hand into, but if they hold on to it, they can't actually get their hand back out. Might be a nut, might be a banana. And uh, they're lured in and they put their hand in and then they won't let go and their hand is trapped and they just wait there and someone or something can come and get them. Monkey, see here in this story illustration, they treasure the banana. The monkey's vision is the banana. And now the banana has got the monkey trapped. If only he would let go. There'd be so many other things to enjoy. Actually, his master is the banana. Sometimes we can become trapped when we treasure the wrong things, when we make material things our vision, and when Jesus is no longer the master. What we treasure is so easily influenced by the temporary and what others around us treasure. So let me ask you these questions today. What will be our treasure? Who will be our vision? Who do we want to be our master? That worship time was so helpful in bringing some of these things up already. We, the whole realm of nature was mine. That would be an offering far too small. You know, we don't, want, we, we don't have enough to bring to God. And sometimes money and possessions can compete. Other things could compete with God being our treasure, the joy of knowing him, 
of him being our vision. It's great to remember and celebrate the faith of people like Charlie, who got baptized recently, saying, Jesus is the one I treasure. I want to live for him. I want him to be my vision. I'm saying publicly, he's my Lord. Many of us have been following Jesus for many years. I wonder, is he still our treasure? Is he still our vision? Is he still the one that we want to call master and Lord today? Is there something the Holy Spirit is kind of stirring in you today? Just like at Sinai, God's people needed to be reminded not to have things that got in the way, things that became idols. Jesus is teaching his disciples that here in the context of money. I wonder what God might be highlighting for us today. I'd like to lead us in a moment of prayer kind of using the monkey illustration here. Um, If you join me in a second in just clenching your fists, we're we're a little bit like a monkey here, okay? We've grabbed hold of something. Actually, it's unhelpful, just like the banana was unhelpful. And in a moment of quiet, I just want us to consider, is there something that we're holding on to, that we're treasuring, that's become our vision, maybe, in fact, has even become our master, that we just need to firstly acknowledge before God? Lord, we invite you to bring to mind things that might be that for us. If you'd like to, you can join me in opening up your hands. And we say, Lord, we we let those things go. We're, We're sorry for things that we've focused on too much that have become our focus that become our treasure, that become our vision, that have even become our master. And we, we, we give them back to you. We want to have empty hands, empty hands to say, Lord, we recognize that anything we have is, is given by you anyway. Empty hands to say we're ready to serve you. Empty hands to say you're our master. Lord Jesus, the good shepherd, our master, our Lord, we say, would you alone be our treasure? In our hearts in this moment, we say again, Lord, we treasure you. It's such a joy to know you. Thank you for being our saviour. You're the Lord of lords and King of kings, and Lord, we worship you. You are our treasure. And Jesus, we want you to remain our vision. We want you and your kingdom to remain our vision. We want to live for you. We want to serve you alone. And Lord, we say that you're our master. You and you alone are our master. We don't take that phrase lightly that we say you're Lord. And again today we say you're Lord. You're Lord over our money. You're Lord over our possessions. You're Lord over our thoughts. You're Lord over what other people think about us. Lord, you alone are our master. And we thank you that your spirit sets us free. It sets us free from things that have become our master. And we ask that you do that today, Lord. Let me encourage you, if there's things that you feel have become your master and you'd like someone to stand alongside you and pray with you, there'll be a prayer team available at the end of the service. You might want to pray with someone you come with or or come to the front. We'd love to pray with you. In a moment, we're going to sing, Be Thou Our Vision, because we want Jesus alone to be our vision. It includes these lines, Riches I heed not, nor vain empty praise. Thou mine inheritance, now and always. Thou and thou only, first in my heart, high King of heaven, 
my treasure thou art. If you're able to, do stand. We're going to sing that song together.